What is Texas Red Dirt Music? Authentic, independent, convicted. Honest, original. Soulful, uniquely Texas. If that ain't country, I'll kiss your ass. Welcome to the Red Dirt Republic podcast. In this inaugural edition of the show, I sit down with Drew Fish of the Drew Fish Band and we discuss a wide variety of topics. From his songwriting retreats, how he compiles set lists for his live shows, his guitar collection, and Jerry Jeff Walker's guitar fetish. Drew's latest album, Wishful Drinking, has produced several chart-topping hits including The Devil You Know, Better Place, Every Damn Time, which is a duet with country superstar Pam Tillis, and his latest single, One Beer at a Time. You can check out Wishful Drinking as well as his 2014 EP, Playing With a Flame, and 2016's Treat Your Right wherever you download or stream digital music. You can also follow Drew on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Snapchat by searching for Drew Fishman. I can't thank you enough for checking out the Red Dirt Republic podcast, and you can reach me via email at reddirtrepublicradio at gmail.com. Now here's episode one. So we've got Drew Fish here on the Red Dirt Republic. Drew, how you doing today? Doing well, man. Thank you for having me in. I appreciate you coming down on short notice. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. And I appreciate the beers. Yeah, you're welcome, man. Anytime. <laughs> man. That's my house is your house. Well, man, if, Costa, if, uh, if there's beers in the fridge, I might be over here more often. Uh, come on down, man. Anytime. I got it's a, a spare, dangerous offer. I got a spare room, too. We'll, we'll get you taken yeah, care we'll, of. We'll get Anthony over here next time, there too. You go. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony has seen me put down some beers. Yeah, fair enough. He's also seen me accidentally end a show 30 minutes early because I was looking at the wrong clock. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good show right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. That, he was like, he was like, dude, look, he was like pointing at his watch. He was like, you know what just happened? And I was like, yeah, I know we went over. I'm sorry. He goes, no, 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 no. You ended 28 minutes early. And I was like, what? What? He was like, he was like, yeah. And I was, and like, I realized that like the, so the set list has the time of the show and we put the wrong time of the show on a set list. So I was looking at the clock and I was just looking at the set list and I, we were cutting, we kept cutting songs out of the set. Cause I was like, I was like, man, uh, I, I do not know how we are this far ahead of time. Like <laughs> the set lists are set pretty much to where we're within a couple minutes of, if it's a 60 minute show or then we're between 55 and 65 minutes. So it's like, you you know whether you need to speed up a little or like cut a song or or like talk a little more in between songs or something. Stretch but like it out a little bit. normally you're not like thirty minutes off. <laughs> and I look over and I'm like, dude, how did we how did this happen? So I'm I'm telling the band like cut cut song cut song and none of them say anything. They don't know why I'm cutting songs. They just like they're like, this is weird. Going with it. <laughs> yeah, so they're just going with it. Nobody says anything to me. And then like we get done and like literally strike the stage, pull everything. Up unplug all the cables like we're pulling stuff off stage it was it was it was the galveston county fair so okay. it was it's festival style so you literally like when you get done you get everything off so we literally get everything off the stage is bare we got everything off stage and anthony's like pointing his hand like there's like where the watch would be and, yeah. he's, and i'm like 
Because like, all the stage crews well, eat like, corn dogs. No, because you, you get in trouble <laughs> in festival style stuff. You get in trouble if you go over because everything's everything's on, everything's a, clock. on, a, t- on a clock. You got to be on time. So it's like I was like I was like, man, I know. I'm sorry. I tried to like wrap it up as quick as I could, and he was like, yeah, I tried to wrap it up 28 minutes early, and I was like. Oh uh, no! What? <laughs> <laughs> and like we like we'd already had everything off stage, so at this point it was like we had like twenty five minutes left. Before. I mean, like dude, we we can get off stage pretty quick. I, I think that uh, I think we had like twenty three minutes left or something. And, and he didn't make and, you go back he, out with your acoustic was, guitar. No, he literally told me to, and I was like, I was like, dude, you want me to go back out there? Like just me and. The, He's like, I'm not going to make you, but you should. And I'm like, dude, not after that. Like, we just did a full band show. I'm like, I can't come back out acoustic. Like, uh, it's an acoustic that encore. Was, ne- never done that before. Never done it after. <laughs> definitely not. Uh, definitely not going to rely 100% on a set list time, and going to mentally think about this is definitely not an hour. We definitely have not been up here for a full hour yet. <laughs> so when you when you're putting your set list together, do you have a 60 minute set list and a 90 minute set list? Is, yeah, it, so, is it set or do you write it the day before? No, or? it's all set. So, like, normally, whenever we put out a new record, the set list changes. Gotcha. So, um, generally, set list changes about every year. Okay. Uh, every year and a half. Actually, you know what? It changes more often than every record. I'd say set list probably changes every eight months to a year and a half, um, depending on, like, what songs we're doing. And, like, sometimes, like, for example, um, one beer at a time. Current radio single. Yep. That wasn't even on our set list when we changed the set list over for the new record. That wasn't even on the set list, and we played it at one show, and like everybody loved it so much that we were like, "Okay, we need to change set list up." Um, like we played it because okay, so actually we were talking about Win Williams earlier. Um, I people listening are probably gonna, no, you weren't. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> we were talking about we Win Williams, Williams, and um, so Win and I were doing this uh, private deal, and it was in Weatherford, and uh, and. When was like, I, I don't know when. Something somehow we added that song. We added that song into the set list. Oh, I know. We sound checked to it. We sound checked to it, and um, and Adam Hill, their fiddle player, was like, was like, dude, I think that is my favorite song of y'all's. And I was like, we don't even play that. Like we don't play it live. And he was like, he was like, y'all don't play that live. And I was like, now we just sound check to it. I don't know why we sound check to it. And he was like, dude, you know, so we added it that night. And then like everybody seemed to love it. And so. Like okay, rewrite the set place, list. Add it to the set place list. For it, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. So, no, we do not write a set list every night, but they change. Gotcha. Um, You're flexible but, enough to yeah. plug in stuff that's good. I mean, we can add stuff. The part of the part of the problem with us adding stuff is that everything is our whole set is uh, to a light show, and so everything has to be programmed into the light show in order for it to work. Gotcha. Um, and so like, yeah, that, it's, t- it's timed it, out us. If, if, if we have the lights, like if we're doing, if we're, if we're doing the full production, we can't add something. To, we can't add something day of. Gotcha. Um, that was a private event where there was a, there was like a, uh, production team that was handling production. So we weren't handling it ourselves. Um, but in house, all of our lights are programmed. So the, yeah, so we can't add stuff. That's interesting on the spot. Yeah, no, that's cool. Do so. Are there songs in the set that uh, you play for the band? Um, I mean the set list. 
is mostly it's mostly radio singles in the new record. Gotcha. Uh, when you say play for the band, or like where they request something, where they like to jam. Like oh yeah, I mean like Corey oh, Morrow has, oh, yeah, yeah, has yeah. A, a segment of his show. Yeah. Where the band just jams out. So like we have yeah, so we have like solo sections to where there's um, time allotted for them jamming. Um, also like in between songs, they jam while I talk. So like you'll um, most of the most of the on the spot stuff is done either before a song or on the outro of a song. Um, So like I mean we we in our show with a song called Small Price to Pay, and like basically while I'm up there like introducing the band and like thanking sponsors and stuff, then they're like they each have their own like solo spot, but then like after that. When I get off stage and they're still up there, they just do whatever they, they want to do. It's just kind of like free, like they can, dude. There, there was one time they were like literally there for like twenty minutes after I got off, like <laughs> literally up there were like twenty minutes. And our tour man, it's like we have, so we have, we're all wireless, and so like we all have headsets in, and so like when I get off stage, the first thing I do is take my guitar off, take wireless stuff off, and I go out to the um to the merch booth, and so generally I tell them like wait until I can get to the merch booth before you stop playing, so that like. I'm not fighting a crowd to get to the merch booth. Right. And the, there was one time that like, I guess I just, I still had my, uh, my headset. I was at the merch booth. I'm sitting there listening to our tour manager go, get off stage. Your time is up. Y'all been up there for 20 minutes. But then on the other side of it, there's also times where like, he'll just start messing with them and goes, okay, you got seven more minutes to go. Six more minutes. to go. He's like counting down and like, just it's egging like, them on. Yeah, for no reason. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because there are shows where, like, you're stuck to a schedule, and there are shows that are very flexible. Right. And, um, I mean, everybody loves – I mean, we play music for a living because we love playing music. Um, if you did not love playing music, you would not do this. Trust me. Well, absolutely, yeah, right. And <laughs> yeah. I'm sure if you have that set list that you play all year long, it gets a little monotonous, so it's yeah. nice to have something to break it up a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, and the – the set list is basically radio singles and then the, the newest record. And so when we put a new record out, the, the old, the old record that was not radio singles pretty much disappears, um, in the live show. But there are, there are shows where like, Hey, let's do this. And because the lights are already programmed for it, all we have to do is just drag and drop. Ah. And so like we can pull old stuff and just throw it right back in easily. Gotcha. And once, the, once it's programmed, it's easy to swap it out. Okay. Um, so, the uh, yeah so like there are shows where it'll be um like i don't know they'll be like hey we should play this song and it's like okay where do i want to put it (laughs) uh it's also like dude building a set list is like a lot more of like a strategy than people realize um it's not just like writing songs on a piece of paper um you have songs that lend themselves to being opening songs you have songs that lend themselves to being closing songs you have songs that like you're like, man, this song has to be surrounded by like f- fast songs, or else like it's gonna put everybody, everybody's gonna be everybody's gonna be in the bathroom. And so like, <laughs> generally, you want to make it like a roller coaster, to where when like you go up and then you come down and you go up and down, but like it's not like you're not going from a super fast song to a super slow song. Like you'll right. gradually shift, but th- but there are songs where it's like, um, like every damn time. Every damn time is pr- probably the slowest song we have in our set, and it's like we're not gonna put like "Baby Just Let Go" next to every damn time because 
it's two slower songs right next to each other. And it's like Flood is a slow song. It's driving, but it's a pretty slow song. So we're not going to put Flood next to it either. Right. So like, but like One Beer at a Time is somewhere where it's like, it's not super fast, but it's moving. Right. And so when you put like, um, like I actually don't even know what's next to every time in the set. Like, <laughs> like but like, but you put something like One Beer at a Time in to where it's like, you get, you get some more momentum. It's not super fast. Um, where I'm trying to think of like, what's one of the fastest songs? I mean, Small Price to Pay might be the fastest song. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'll talk mad. I don't know. But, but like you, you could put like, like um, playing with a flame or one beer at a time next to every damn time. But you couldn't, you wouldn't put something that's like small price to pay. That's right. fast and rock. It just changes so fast. People are like, like what? Well, that's a, my show, the Red Door Republic show. Mm-hmm. When I put it together, I have fourteen songs, and I have to get fourteen songs that fit in about a forty-five to fifty-minute time slot. And it's a Friday night, so yeah. I'm thinking I want upbeat. So I, the way I put my show together, I look at the concert schedules all over mostly texas but sometimes yeah. el- elsewhere who's playing where that's how i get my artist list and i have to go through their playlist and figure out what songs fit in the so it's like putting a puzzle together well, and like, people don't realize what goes into radio programming like, yeah. there's a, like radio programming is not just like hey this is what i want to play like right. the common listener is like okay well they just like, played the songs that, it's like no it, there's so much more into it and it's also where there's like different rotations so yeah i mean like you know this but for the listeners, there's like it's not just like every song just gets played. It's like okay, well this song is in light rotation, this is in medium rotation, this is in heavy rotation, right. and you have recurrence and you have your like your standards. So like the reason that you steer that you still hear like "Wear My Ring" and "Road Goes On Forever" and "Wave on Wave" is because those are standards they've they're built into the set list or into the the playlist as a. Uh, as a th- like basically a recognizable song that people are going to know. And if somebody has a brand new radio single, they're not just going to start playing it all the time because they just, then people are scanning stations or they're right. just tuning in. are going to be like, I don't know what this is. I'm out. It's like, and going, so you got to build the song for sure. And, um, it's like going to a concert and the band plays only new stuff. Yeah. It's like, it's like, we don't know. Any we songs. came to see. Yeah. You, the, the stuff that we know. <laughs> and you've you got introdu- you to introduce the for new sure. stuff. Absolutely. But you also can't only play new stuff because then they're going to be like, well, what do we come for? We don't even. And like, dude, there are nights where it's like people will request songs that are off old records and we'll just throw them in without lights. Like, we'll, there won't be lights for that song. Right. But, um, but like, I mean, uh, one of them, dude, the. We had like literally. I think we had released a record like literally the week before and somebody requested another you. And I was like, I don't think the band knows this. Song. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if they know this. So I mean, like sometimes you get this request that you're like, man, like I can play an acoustic, but like <laughs> the band, that's what know. you do on that 20 minute yeah. encore. You have yeah. to fill the gaps with. <laughs> you're like, man, I don't know if the band could play this song right now. <laughs> the, I mean, like they know the song, but we haven't played it yet. So it's, <laughs> So that that kind of leads to a, another question. Uh, when you're sitting down to songwrite, and first of all, all of your songs are they lean to the party side. They're they're fun songs. I would say they're, like eighty percent, eighty five percent of our songs are definitely the the fun party drinking songs, and they're dancing songs. Yeah. So when you put a play, playlist together, or you put a Say you sit down to songwrite. You sit down to, to write a waltz, or write a swing song, or write a two-stepping song. Do you ever think about that, or does it just kind of naturally oh, happen? I mean, um, so 
we had never even done a waltz until every damn time. That was the first waltz we ever recorded. And when we sat down, I told, I told Roger, I was like, I want to write a duet. I've never done a duet before. And he was like, well, you haven't done a waltz either. So let's do a waltz. And so like we wrote a waltz duet and that was like going into it. That was the plan. But, um, like before we started writing, but like, um, there, when you're making a, a record, you like you, if you had 10 slow songs, literally you're going to lose 95% of your audience, if not more. You have to market it as I mean, the like, ballad album. <laughs> I mean, like, no, like literally people will be like, that was the worst record ever. And they won't learn any of the songs well enough to even, there, there has to be like an introductory period before people really appreciate songs. And the introductory period on a fast song is a lot quicker than it is on a slow song. And so when, I mean, like with, 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 with radio programming, like, dude, they say that, that a song has to be played nine, a person has to hear that song played nine times before they even recognize the song, before they even know that they heard it. Really? So like, they have, cause they have the radio playing all day and they're like in the background, they're not, they're not focused on it. Right. So like after they've heard it nine times, then the next time they're like, man, this sounds familiar. I kind of like it or whatever. But like, they've heard it nine times before that. And you think about it, think about where you're, you, there's always music in the background. For sure. You hear music when you go to when you go to Bass Pro Shop. You hear yep. music when you hear it when you go to H E B. You hear music Bucky's. when you got yeah. when you're in the car with the radio turned down and you're not really listening that much. You're just kind of filling space. You hear songs, and so it's like it takes some time to like for the listener to uh, acknowledge the song. And so it's kind of the same thing with like a new record or a show is when like you put a record out, you want something that's going to grab them. And so you're not, if your first track on a record is a slow song, you made a bad mistake off the bat. Right. I mean, like, dude, my favorite songs are slow songs. Like, I, I, I think that the best songs ever written, almost all of them are slow songs. But, I mean, you just, it's not, you're not going to grab the audience off the bat with a slow song. You need something that's kind of driving to kick a record off. And so when you make a record, you're sitting there, you're like, okay, well, we need, A, we need, we need a song to kick the record off. B, we need a song to close the record off. C, we need songs that sound different than everything else on the like everything. You don't want two songs on the record that sound the same. You want people to be like, oh, well, that sounds kind of like that. I'm not gonna name. There's one guy who put out a record that literally the first time I heard the record, I was like, this entire record sounds exactly the same. Like it sounds like one really long song. <laughs> and you know what? The record did great for him. So congrats. <laughs> but that's not what I would do. Um, the so you want to mix it up with fast songs and slow songs and spread the slow songs out through the middle, throughout the whole thing. And like, make sure that you have, you, I mean, you gotta have radio songs when right. you're, when you're writing a record, you are thinking, you're constantly thinking I need radio songs. And then you're also like writing songs that are based on, on like power. Um, not, not musical power, but lyrical power. You need stuff that like grabs people. That's that is, heart. that is, yeah. um, it's emotional and I mean sadness is stronger is a stronger emotion than happiness and so I mean usually it's the sad songs that really grab people and we I try as hard as I can to steer clear of sad songs but uh, I mean we have some sad songs but it's like the I mean <laughs> I steer clear of sad songs but at the same time my favorite songs ever written are almost all sad songs well, <laughs> You, you very rarely realize you're happy, but you always know when you're sad. Yep. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good point. I never thought about that. Yeah. That is interesting. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So when we put when we put a set set list together. You also have to realize like the room that you're playing. 
Because, like, I mean, if you're playing Galveston County Fair, you're going to be playing a very different set than you're going to be playing if you're playing, like, a listening room, like a do-si-do. Gotcha. Uh, as being in Houston, I'm for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm making Houston references, but yep. Yep. Um, do you do you take that? Do you take the audience into account? Where you may be in a place where maybe they're you're, they're not as familiar with your music. There are certain songs that we wrote specifically for live shows. Um, I mean, like wh- whenever you get like a call and repeat, like that was not written for a record. That was written for a live show. Right. Um, and so, like, there's certain stuff that you do, and there's, there's certain, like, sing-along parts that you create to where it was it was written with the intention of being played live. Man, the, the live shows, if somebody doesn't know your music, surface level is the best. The best live show of a band that you don't know, surface level songs. For the best live show for people who know your music is in-depth, um, like listening songs, and so like you you have to. We were talking about FM eighteen eighty five. Yep. FM eighteen eighty five. If you're not paying attention during the bridge, then you missed like you missed the entire song if you weren't paying attention to the bridge. Yeah. The the song, all of the power of that song is gone if you didn't listen to the bridge, and so it's like one of those things where it's like you're like oh yeah that's a good song, but then like listen to the bridge and you're like, I I think that that's the the I personally think that's the best song in the last decade. That's uh, but, Win, Win Williams, right? Yeah, Win Williams. Um, but then there's other songs where it's like, I mean, um, let's say, like Better Place. Better Place is, while it is still like an emotional song, it's also like a song that like anywhere you jump into the song, you can get engaged. True. And so it's not something that you had to be like paying close attention to. And so radio-friendly songs are typically songs that you don't have to be paying close attention to. If you Like John Michael Montgomery, The Little Girl. I mean, like, that's not a radio song. Right. And so that's, if you played that at Galveston County Fair, it probably wouldn't work. If you played that at Dosey do you'd have the entire room dead silent listening to you completely Focus. engaged. Yeah. And so there are songs that are built for different rooms and different atmospheres and different environments. And, um, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my take on live. Like, I mean, like, yeah, the, no, it has to be, the set list has to be geared towards where you're playing. Gotcha. But um, well, I mean, as, we you're, don't... as you're talking, I'm thinking through your songs. I'm going, okay, I get the call and repeat, I get the the different the the fast slow, yeah, and how you would place that in order uh, in your playlist in your set list. Yeah, but then like it's also like there's songs I only played acoustic shows. Gotcha. Like another you. Yeah. The band has heard the song, but I I'd never told. I mean, they, they might know how to play it. I don't know. I've never asked them. I never told them to learn it. So they uh, because we just don't play it. We don't play it as a full band. Because it's not a song that we could play in the venues that we are typically playing. It's not a song that the it, it was never a radio single. A so if it's not a radio single, most people don't know it. Right. Most people only know your singles, and so if people don't know it, it's not a song that's going to engage a non-familiar crowd. If that now is that kind of changing the subject on you? There is that a uh, result of? new technology because nobody buys CDs anymore. So you don't have the opportunity to listen to all the songs. De- partially, definitely, partially, partially, definitely. <laughs> uh, that, that is definitely part of the, um, of the equation, but it's also the, uh, the counter argument to that is that everything is available on Spotify. There's no reason that you, I mean, Apple music, whatever you use, you can YouTube, you can right. find whatever you're looking for. That's true. So, 
that is, yes, when people used to buy records, they they would put it in their CD player or the record player, whatever they were listening on, and they would listen to the entire thing. Right. So they would. But, ne- you, but you also knew that the first song, the third song, the fourth, and fifth song were usually the four radio mm-hmm. singles, and then the rest of them were like maybe. <laughs> yeah, and so I mean, like um, we've definitely done. I mean, like <laughs> we put songs on records that were like totally intended to be a record, like an album cut. Like it wasn't intended to be a radio single that ended up being radio singles. Gotcha. Um, actually, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what the song, but there, but yeah. <laughs> well, and duration also plays a part in that too. One of the things I've learned in if you have a five minute song, thing, radio stations aren't gonna play. Can't they can't? Yeah, you can't fit it in anywhere. Well, and another thing is like people are like, like this is a this is a big thing that new artists struggle with that they don't understand is that. Radio stations only have 24 hours in a day. They can't just play everything all the time, maxed out. Like, right. and they're like, they're like, oh well, uh, they dropped our single. It's like, if if people aren't responding to it and they're not, I mean, like, I don't, they only have so much airtime. Right. If there's a better song out there that they're getting pushed. They're going to, yeah, they got to do it. Or there's they don't, they don't a, f- a flood of new music or yeah. whatever the or, situation and is. And so, like, new artists come in and they're like, well, uh, these radio stations, like, won't even pick us up until we've been around for a while. And it's like, yeah, well, it's because back to the familiarity thing. If people hear a voice that they already know, they're going to be a lot more familiar with it and they're going to be engaged and listen and be like, even if they don't know the song, they're going to be like, oh, who is this? Like, what, what? Right. Like, this sounds like, this sounds like Drew Fish. This sounds like Randy Rogers. This sounds like whoever it is. This sounds like a uh, Pat Green. This sounds like to listen to it, and they're like, "Oh, I haven't heard this song before." And then, if there's new artists, they don't recognize the voice. They they change stations. So it's easier. So when you see new artists that don't get added in because there's too much music out, and then you see artists that already have multiple number ones that are getting added in, it's because the familiarity with the voice of the listener base. And so when you have, I'm specifically in the Texas market recently, there's so many new artists. When you have that many new artists all at the same time, they've got to build those artists one at a time. They can't just throw all these new artists in there or else the, the station isn't familiar and the station doesn't sound familiar, then the listener base goes away. They, they click. Yeah. They, they go to the next so one. So you've got to build every artist individually. And so it's like with, like previously there weren't, there were like we're so many, there was such a limited number of artists that putting people in rotation wasn't as hard because even though they're new artists, there wasn't anybody else that was new. The, the next newest person's already on their second or third single. Right. But like right now, it's like when you got 50 first singles out at the same time, they're like, well, I don't know what, I like, we're just going to have to pick the best song and hope that guy's next singles is good. Yeah. I mean, if you like, <laughs> or I, better. I don't look at the chart, the Texas charts every week. So if I wait three or four weeks, there's 15% of the names that I've never heard before. Uh, it's they're they're new people, and, new and artists that are that are unfortunately putting they, out good music. Yeah, unfortunately they normally peak at like fifty or something on the first single because they it it's, it's a, it's a new shuffle. it's a new artist. Yeah, and so like it could be a great song and it could be a great singer and it could be great production, but because they're a new artist, they didn't get. I mean, like I, I hate to say this, but like don't throw your best foot forward first on radio singles because your first single is not going to do it 
you're going to get a lot better response on your second single than your first single. But the first one has to be good enough. To it has to be good enough. That, yeah, because you know what? If your if your first single is not good, then they're not even going to listen to the second. That's single. right. So that's I mean, right. I, I don't it's, know. It's, it's damned, <laughs> like do, a, damned if you don't. Yeah. So I don't I don't know what the correct answer is, but like, um, like when. When is a great example. So when went on his first radio tour with me a year ago, and so like there's a lot of stations that won't even meet with first time, um, first time radio singles because they've got limited airtime, and I mean when when you're taking up 20 minutes with somebody who nobody even knows, they don't even know their songs yet. It's, it's there's some stations who just won't do it. So um, I figured I'd to bring Win with me, and he'd come meet all the radio stations with me, so that he could basically get in the room, because like we've already had radio singles on all the stations that are playing it, and if he comes with me, then he just got an interview. Right. So we so uh, Win and I did our our radio tour together, and actually his first single peaked at number three, I think. It went almost to the top, which that doesn't happen on a first single. Right. Um, but you haven't heard me bring up that song once. I haven't. I've been talking about FM 1885. Right. Which I think is the best song on the record. But go. if he sent that out to radio, the first one, they literally wouldn't listen to it. Exactly. Because it's slow, which radio stations don't like slow. Right. He's a new artist. And like they wouldn't even get to the point to where like they realize how great of a song it is. They wouldn't give it they wouldn't give it enough time to get to the point where it's a great song. Um, and so he ended up pushing Yeah Buddy, which is a great radio song. It's a, that's a song that they they wrote for radio. Right. Um and then like, yeah, he's got uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's with, I, I, I kind of went on the radio direction, but with like with radio, it's a, it's a, hard for new artists to understand why they're not getting airplay. Uh, Cause I mean, there's, I have a close friend who is like, why is this one station not playing me? And I've talked to that program director, not about that artist specifically. I wouldn't do that, but the, um, but like I've talked to him and I've been like, "Hey man, so like, how's uh, how's everything going?" And so like, what what's going on with the music? And he's like, "Man, there's so many new artists." He's like, "There's so many great songs. I just can't even add them all because they're all new artists." And he's like, "By the time that like I add, like I get a spot open for another one, it's like I'm not going to add a song that's already almost peaked." And so I'm adding a, like a song that hasn't been out that long, and then the guy who's almost peaked doesn't even get played. And hmm. so it's like you miss thirty, you miss thirty song, thirty new artists in between every every new artist that you can add, and like the the program directors feel bad about it. They're not, it's not like they're going in there and um, intentionally not helping it's you not out. Per, it's not personal. It's not personal, yeah. but it's just, I mean, and like they're great songs that they're skipping over, but they're uh, they just can't add twenty new artists at the same time. Right. And so it's like, well, this one. This happened to land on my desk at the right time, and when the last one was finished, and the uh, and he happened to come in on the radio tour with yeah. Drew Fish, and well, just, yeah, with, we with, got a, we got an ear on it. Well, yeah, <laughs> with with when uh, there were a couple of different things that worked in his favor. One of them was that if your radio promoter completely believes in you and they have the relationships, then that plays a huge factor, and. Um, Jen was Wynn's radio promoter and Jen w used to be with a radio station actually here in Houston. Mm -hmm. And she's very, I mean, she's, she, everybody knows Jen, everybody loves Jen and trusts Jen. So when she sends a radio single out, they like, they're like, okay, well I'm going to listen to it because it came from Jen. Right. 
So, I mean, like our rate of promoters, Tammy, it's kind of the same thing with Tammy. She's got great relationships with everybody that when she sends somebody a, a radio single, if it's somebody that they don't know, they're like, well, since this came from Tammy or this came from Jen or Rick Hogan, that, there's, there's a bunch of great radio promoters out there. But it's like when, when this single lands on my desk, I may not know who the artist is, but because of who it came from, I'm going to listen to it. And so that's part of it. Another part of it is that he went on radio tour with me, so he got to go into radio stations that typically wouldn't have a first single artist in. Right. And then another part of it, it was a great song, a great radio-friendly song. Just great song. There are great songs that won't be played on the radio unless like, unless you're like, already have a very good relationship. The radio stations will not play some artists. Right. Um, I mean, some songs, just because the type of song it is. So it was a great song. And then on top of that, I mean, like... They want to see movement in your career. They don't want to see you, like, not do anything. Right. And so it's like when they see Wynn playing shows, and then they meet you and you're a nice guy. And so, like, and timing is a big thing. People don't realize how big of a deal timing is. So, like, dude, Flood was Flood was a two-week number one. It was in the top five for, like, seven or eight weeks. And it was in the top ten for, like, like 19 weeks or something. And it was very topical. Which is... Well, part of that was timing because because we happened to release it right before uh, Harvey, which there was no way of us knowing that that was going to happen. Right. But like because Harvey just hit it, it that ex- that got a lot of airplay on it. But then um, the, another thing about Flood was that when it hit number three, Cody Johnson had like a seven week number one or something. And dude, I thought we were going to drop. I was sitting there every single week when the chart came out. I was like, man. We're gonna lose out on number one because Cody Johnson held that song for so long. Damn it! Like I was like, I was like, this song better drop. <laughs> and by the way, it was a good song, so I can't blame the radio right, stations. Right, right, but right. I was just like, man, my timing. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like that song dropped. I think the next week, Kyle was like, Kyle was Kyle, it was it it was Cody was number one. I think Kyle Park was number two, and we were number three. And I remember right when Cody's song dropped, and like we went up to number two, and I was like, we went up, we didn't drop yet. like there's still a chance. And then like the next week, Kyle's song dropped and we went up to number to number one and uh, held it for two weeks. And I was like, dude, that actually worked in my favor because Cody's song held so long. We got held in th- at three for so long. And like, if Cody's song would have dropped, then we wouldn't have been held at th- like we, we would have, if, if Cody's song wouldn't have been up there for so long, we probably would have hit number one and then dropped. But because Cody's song held so long and held ours in the top three, and when you're in the top three, you're getting so many, so much airplay yeah, that sure. like you get, you end up getting ex, like exponentially more airplay. Oh, it's like in, in number three, you're getting almost, almost as much airplay as number one. Right. But if you're at number 25, you're not getting anywhere close to the amount of airplay as number three. So if you get held at number three for seven weeks, that's a ton of plays that you're getting. So a lot of people are hearing it that may not have heard about if not if wasn't for that. Right. Um, and actually, uh, the song that spun that the station that spun that song more than any other station was actually in Houston. No kidding. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give another radio station a shout out on this, <laughs> but 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 yeah, there was a uh, yeah the station that spun that the most times was actually Houston station. And I and actually Tammy didn't even tell me that. Jen told me that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jen, Jen was like, oh, my gosh, you wouldn't believe how many spins you got from this station. And I was like, I was like, how many? And she was like, yeah, what? there was a station in Houston that spun it a lot. And I was like, man, that is 
first of all, it's such a big yeah. market to be getting a lot of spins in. For sure. And uh, and then on top of that, it was like, I guess because of Harvey, it was probably more relevant here than it would have been in other places. But yeah. So that song was about the floods in Wimberley, in Wimberley. right? Yeah. And then on well, the- in Austin, in the Hill Country. I mean, like I live in Austin, and Wimberley's about thirty miles south of Austin. And there's a studio that we record at down in Wimberley called Yellow Dog. And Yellow Dog moved about six months after those floods. But the building that it was in was pretty far away from the river. But the building they moved into actually got flooded during the river. Wow. And the reason that they got it was because it was so cheap because it got flooded. There you go. Um, but, yeah, 54-foot floods. Like, that is, like, look it up. That's a factual number, 54 feet. And that number is very, 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 very hard to comprehend. It's like... 50 inches in Houston. <laughs> I know. 51 <laughs> inches in Houston. Which is the song off the current album, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see you're paying attention. <laughs> I did a little but, homework. Did a little yeah. homework. But I, so I wanted to ask about that song, uh, the one on the new album. Waiting for the Sun. Waiting for the Sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, being from Austin, what was your connection to. Harvey. So that song was actually written at a writer's retreat. Um, so we were, we talked about it earlier, but yeah, I put together a writer's retreat. We were out at the writer's retreat and a guy named Brandon Stedman and I were sitting there and we were like, Oh yeah, I don't know if you remember what was going on in Austin when Harvey was happening, but there was a guy bombing the whole city. There what? were like, there were like eight or nine bombs that went off in Austin. Yeah, I mean, y'all had uh, y'all had, had y'all had, had big problems. Other things on yeah. our mind. At the yeah, time. y'all had big problems <laughs> of your own. So I don't. But yeah, there was a guy that set off like it was like eight or nine bombs in Austin. Oh wow. Um, and I mean, yeah, people died. It was like he blew up like kids and stuff too. Like it wasn't just yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were like sitting there, and I was like, I was like, Brandon, let's write a song about like a current event. So Brandon's from Austin. Okay. Um, Brandon lives in Nashville now. He lived in Arlington for a while. Um. But I guess that's not really relevant at all. I'm, as I said, I'm very ADD. <laughs> um, so Brandon and I were wanted to write about the current events and about something that was like relevant now. And so we were like looking at the um, we were looking at the bombing, and we were like, "Dude, it's a pretty dark thing to write a song about." And <laughs> it was like, it was like, man, that's like, yeah, how do you put a positive? Yeah, spin you can't on put that. a. You, there's no way of putting a positive spin on it, and. uh and then we like came across this news article of like uh, all the people that were that were actually I think James Land was one of these people. We we're talking about James Land a minute ago. Yep. I, think, I think James Land actually did this. Is people that were like getting their boats and bringing them down to Houston. To help. Oh yeah. And um, but like it was like there's there may be something really bad that's going on, but there's so many good people. Like I mean, like the 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 Louisianans. I don't know who said the, that. The, the, Cajun, the, yeah, Cajun the Cajun Navy. Navy like, man, they all came over and like all these people who were just like going out of their way. It didn't affect them at all. They just came to come help other people. Right. And we're just like talking about, like, man, things can be really bad, but there are really good people out there and like things get better. And so we decided to kind of take Harvey and write it as a light at the end of the tunnel kind of song where it's like, man, it may be bad now, but things are going to be better. And uh, so we were waiting for the sun at, at the writer's retreat and uh, put on the new record. Well, I, I tell you, and it kind of ties into the conversation we've been having. It's one of those that I, I was sitting in the office and I put the album on just to listen through it kind of in the background. And mm-hmm. I heard the, just a few of the lyrics started queuing in. I'm like, wait a minute. I know this event. 
You yeah. know, I wasn't listening to it, but I heard it. Yeah. And uh, it like I tuned in. It's it's a beautiful song, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, dude, Brandon and I have known each other almost as long as Curtis and I have known each other. I mean, I, I've known Brandon for, pro, I mean, dude, probably like 12 years or something. I've known Brandon for a long time. And uh, that's the only song we've ever written together. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. And neither, <laughs> and neither one of you were here. Neither one of us were here. Yeah. We wrote it. We wrote it in East Texas. Uh, yeah, we wrote it in Malakoff, Texas. Okay. So, yeah, and nobody knows where Malakoff is. Uh, I, I can't say that I do either. <laughs> Most Houston people know where Corsicana is. Yep. It's about 30 yeah. minutes north of Corsicana. Okay, all right. Yeah, they know those I-45 stops before right. Dallas. <laughs> well, you, you brought the guitar out. Uh, do you have one to play? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know waiting for the sun. I, that's Fair like enough. the one song on the new record that Sorry, I don't I mean, actually. I wasn't, wasn't going to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, that was the one. That's like the, literally, I, that's probably the only song that I don't know how to play. I, I mean, like I know how to play it. I just haven't played it in so long. That, well, you, you yeah, said earlier that be, you put, you, you, you end on a note. You, when you, when you put the album together, yeah. there's a, a strate- uh, strategy to it. And that's the last song on the album. And it kind of, it, it leaves you yeah. with the, with the thoughts, with well, the feels. It, also normally the people that are like, that are like, staying through the album that long are like they're listening and so like they're people who are going to get that song um because like i mean like there's songs you have to listen to and so it's like if you listen the entire way through the album then you're gonna be paying attention you're gonna actually like feel the song and get like it's not just gonna be a song that you hear you're gonna feel it you're gonna you're gonna yeah you're gonna be listening guilty that's exactly (laughs) what happened um (laughs) Thanks for checking out the Red Dirt Republic podcast. You can keep up with the show on our website at reddirtrepublic.com and on all of our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Just search for Red Dirt Republic. There you can get the latest music news and information about concerts and festivals all over the great state of Texas. You can also check out the Red Dirt Republic radio show on Spotify. It's a weekly show where I explore the Texas music scene, the music, artists, venues, and festivals that make it uniquely Texas. Just search for the Red Dirt Republic Radio Show on Spotify. There you'll find an archive of episodes that you can listen to anytime. Now let's get back to the show. So uh, you had stories about your guitarist. This one was a Jerry Jeff Walker's guitar. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and so uh, I was with Django the other day. Django did not have this, and... Um, I was like, hey, I got a little story about this guitar, dude. It was your dad's. He was like, <laughs> he was like dude. He was like, I was so pissed when he sold that one because the so he he traded it in for another guitar. He's like, he's like, my dad went through so many guitars. He was like, he um, he was saying that like Jerry Jeff would like get a guitar. Like he had a really like he was he was a uh, compulsive buying guitars and then would get it and decide he didn't want it and get and like get rid of it and get another one and. Uh, <laughs> And he was like, I was so mad about that because he's like, that's the best J100 I've ever heard. And he was like, he literally like got it, changed out the tuning pegs and decided he didn't want to brought it back. <laughs> wow. I was like, dude, like, I, think so, he, I think he had it for like two months. And, and Django knew the guitar? Yeah. He wow. Was like, he, was like, he was like, that's a good sounding guitar. He's like, he was like, my dad, like, I was like, I was like, did he ever have like that guitar? It was like his baby. And he was like, no. He was like, I don't think he ever had a guitar for more than like a couple months. He told me a funny story. There was one guitar. It was like a custom, I don't remember the exact story, but it was like a custom-made guitar just for him. They only made two of them. They made one for Jerry Jeff, and they made one for, like, 
the, guy, the owner of the company or something. And they got the guitar made and just sent it to Jerry Jeff. And Jerry Jeff played it and was like, sounds like shit. And like, they gave it to him and, like, he had it for, like, a month. And he was like, sounds like shit. Gave it away. Oh, wow. <laughs> gave it away. <laughs> and then, like, he had, like, remorse about giving it away. I was like, man, I really want that guitar back. And he spent five years tracking down the guitar. No like, kidding. Like, so, like, this was, like, this was, like, years after he'd given it away. And he was like, man, I really want that guitar back. So he, like, spent, like, five years trying to find it. Finds the guitar. Gets it back. Literally, like, plays a song. And I was like, I have to fuck this guitar. <laughs> like you've been five years playing that guitar and then you just got rid of it again. Oh. Yeah. He's, he's very finicky about his guitars. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know. This is like I think this is the best sounding guitar I've ever heard. Like in person. I mean like you hear you hear like great guitars and like recordings and stuff, but you're like, does that guitar really sound that good? Or did like the sound engineer like make it sound good right I, like this doesn't have fresh strings on it this has fresh strings on it that you're like oh it just rings I have a J200 and I which should be a better sounding guitar it's not this thing is like this is my baby so is that do you have guitars that you travel with and some that you just leave at the house uh yeah this guitar and then my J200 go on the road normally if I'm when we're on stage, I play in the J200 because it looks better. It doesn't sound bad. It sounds good. It just right. doesn't sound as good as this. But um, it's like one of those things where it's like kind of more of nobody's going to be able to notice in a bar or in a like a venue. Gotcha. Like in a venue, like they're not going to be listening that closely to like the guitar. They're, I mean, honestly, I'm so far back in the mix. I don't even know if you can hear my guitar 90% of the time in a show. Um, Normal, like I have a I have a boost pedal, so like normally like there are parts of the show where like you will hear my guitar because I boosted the volume up on it. But like the the whole the show as a whole, you're not you're, you can't really even hear me. Hmm. So when I'm doing something where it's like the guitar will be heard, I let this one sing. There you go. And then uh yeah the J two hundred is more of the stage guitar, and then I've got Martin that's basically a home on the wall that I don't I honestly couldn't tell you the last time that I played it and I have a Taylor that literally is, gets played on our records and that's it like I have a, it used to, it was my guitar that I toured with and the electronics went out on it like literally every like six months like the electronic system was terrible wow. and so I was like okay I'm not taking this on it's not dependable I'm not bringing it on the road anymore and so I, I, I used to use it for like riding because it's not as nice of a guitar as the Gibsons um so I used to like bring it to like rights to where if I was like flying somewhere and something happened, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Gotcha. Um, but now it really just sits on the wall. <laughs> Looks and pretty. then <laughs> all my electrics pretty much just sit on the wall because I don't play them that often. Uh, the electrics, the, my telly, I, my telly we used to bring on the road as a backup. Um, but now the guitar players bring their own backups. And then Gibson gave me, when we, when we got our Gibson deal, they gave me a Les Paul, and I think it's been played twice. It's really, it's really expensive wallet. <laughs> it's probably worth more than my car. <laughs> Actually, probably worth more than my car. Yeah, my guitar collection is definitely worth more than my vehicles. This guitar, one hundred percent, is worth more than my car. Just for the history alone. Yeah, I, this this guitar new is probably thirty six hundred bucks with the Jerry Jeff story. 
probably worth thirty six hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, my J two hundred probably about ten grand. It was a guitar a hundred out of a hundred. They only made a hundred of them, and it's guitar hundred. And yeah, I bring that one on the road. I probably shouldn't, but what's the point of having something if you're not going to use it? There you go. Uh, yeah. Actually, okay. I'll give you a choice. We'll go. I'll give you four choices. We can either do oh, we can either do flood. We can do better place. We can do every damn time, or we can do one beer at a time. Do single. Do because we've been talking about flood. Do flood. All right, perfect. Let's do it. You don't know the pain you've caused The thought keeps running through my head All those lies you thought I bought I become a stranger to my bed Standing on the porch, hat in the pouring rain, stuck here in this nightmare, can't live with all the pain. Try to erase the memories to mend this broken heart. They keep coming back to haunt me. As a flood begins to start You walked right back through that door Same way that you did before Before you left me here alone Lying next to me in bed You were wishing you were gone Standing on the porch Out in the pouring rain Stuck here in this nightmare can't live with all the pain Try to erase the memories To mend this broken heart They keep coming back to haunt me As a flood begins to start I've heard it all before, wishing it was in my head. I can't go one more night with you lying in my bed. Standing on the porch, having the pouring rain. Stuck here in this nightmare. Can't live with all the pain of all those lonely nights. 
You were out there by his side Now the water's rising Can't let it go this time Try to erase some memories To mend this broken heart They coming back to haunt me As a flood begins to start Thank you, man. Like it. <clears throat> First number one radio single for us right there. And that was I'm cheating, I'm cheating looking at my notes. <laughs> so that was playing playing with the flame, right? The playing with the flame album? That was on the Treat You Right record. Okay. I think. Yeah. I I think that was our I think that was our uh, second single off the Treat You Right record. Okay. I, man, I can't uh, it was on the Treat You Right record. I think that was the second single off the Treat You Right record. Gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. So the the album, uh, the latest album, Wishful Drinking, uh, you released February of... 20, 7th. Yeah, February 7th of 2020. 2020. Dude, so like... A I, month before the world yeah, ended. <laughs> yes. March 4th, we played the Houston Rodeo. March 5th, I got told that literally our shows the next weekend were canceled. From March 5th until March like 12th, we had 40 shows canceled. Holy smokes. Yeah. Man. Normally when you have a record come out, you're like full press promotion. Right. And uh, man, everything came to a halt pretty fast. And by, <laughs> by that time, you'd already had two number ones off the album. The, the two yeah. So we had, um, so better place went number one. I think devil, you know, peaked at th- two or three. Um, and then we had um, every damn time that went number one. Dude. Aaron, Aaron Watson, Aaron Watson, and Cody Johnson—the two of them, dude—they hold you at that number one spot because they hold them on, they hold on to him for like ten weeks, and you're like, dude, no, yeah. What do you do? Hey, you know what? At least it's good songs. At least you're getting held out by good songs. That's right. You're like, you, man, you can't complain too much. Yeah, <laughs> you're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the uh, it was it was better place, and then Devil You Know, and then. Uh, every damn time and then now the current radio single brand new radio single one beer at a time and uh, week number one we were the highest debut and I it's, it's been flying the chart. I don't even know where it is right now but it's it's been it's been jumping a lot every week so I'm excited about that and yep. uh, excited that I mean it seems like people are really excited to get like a summer e-song out there and uh, it's definitely one of those yeah so yeah it's hopefully we'll make it another number one yeah and, and we talked earlier, and you've got some shows coming up that you can't talk about yet, but uh, you'll be uh, on the road. Yeah, there are dates that will be announced soon. So make sure you follow us on social media. All the social media is at Drew Fishband, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube. I have a TikTok. I have not posted to it yet. I, everybody keeps on giving me crap telling me that I need to like start. They're like, they're like out of everybody, expect you to have a good TikTok. I'm like, man, I need to step my game up. <laughs> I said, dude, I, maybe I need to set my game down. I set expectations too high. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. The TikTok will be, I'll, I'll be posting some stuff on there. And then uh, we got, man, all music, anywhere you find your music online, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. But more importantly than that, you can call in and request it on your local radio station there to help go. us make another number one. And uh, yeah, DrewFish.com. Awesome. Tour dates and everything. Merch, you can get yourself a DrewFish band t-shirt or hat or CD. If man, I don't even have a CD player on my computer. 
It's crazy. I know. It's like the world has changed. It's, it's I never thought I'd see friend. the day where a CD player was not on my computer. <laughs> well, now, I mean, that's that's really everything is streaming. Uh, like you said, we talked about earlier, YouTube, Spotify. But it's also like, I don't have a home phone. It's like, man, when yeah. I was a kid, like a home phone, like, like that was, yeah. It's like no home phones anymore. Like kids might not even know what home phones are now. No, they don't. They, they care more. They're like, they're wait, so this phone has. They've a, got one in their pocket. This phone has a cord. <laughs> What's this? I'm leased to the wall. What the heck is that? Uh, going back to the to the new album, Wishful Drinking, mm-hmm. uh, the the single you did with Pam Tillis. Every damn time. Every damn time. How did that come about? So I wrote that song with Chris Colston and Roger Brown. And now I wrote, we wrote that one at the lake house also. Okay. Um, that was another one of the writer's retreat songs. And um, so when we went into the room and I told, um, I told Roger, I was like, man, I want to do it. We got to get a duet on this record. And so he, he had the idea of every damn time and uh, in the chord progression and played it. And I was like, or he just played the chord progression and was like, I'm thinking like, like, whenever that girl's around, every damn time that girl comes around, it just like takes your breath away. And so like, that was kind of what we started off with. And, um, Chris walked into the room right when we were starting it and we were like, dude, come join in. And so Roger, Chris and I sat down wrote the song and we got done. I was like, so like, who can we get to, who, who do we get to sing? Like, who should, who should we ask? And Roger was like, man, I could ask Pam Tills and see if she wants to do it. And I was like, dude, if you could pull that off, I am in. <laughs> and, uh, and like a week later, Roger called me and was like, um, so Matt, Matt is her manager and her husband. And, um, she was like, Roger's like, Matt just got back to me. He said they're in. And I was like, wow, no way. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, okay. I'm going to go a couple different directions right here. One of them is that like, it didn't feel real. Like even when, even after we recorded it, even when the record was out, it, like, I don't like, it didn't feel like it had actually happened until like I heard it on the radio. Like I remember hearing it on the radio and being like, dude, Pantelis <laughs> is singing on this with me it's crazy how cool is that but um <laughs> but then uh like another direction is that like you know like when you meet people and you're like man really hope that like they don't let me down like because like you kind of like uh people you listen to growing up you're like you you have this perception of who they're going to be right and dude pam was the exact opposite. She was not, not the opposite of who I thought she was going to be. She was the opposite of like a letdown. It was more of, sorry. I did not word that very well. I, I, I really did she not word that. She met every expectation. She, it, she exceeded there every expectation. She exceeded every expectation. It was like one of those ones where like, you don't want them to let you down. And then like, it was the opposite. She was like one of the coolest people ever. Like we were, awesome. um, her and her, her and her husband are two of the greatest people I've, I, Nobody, nobody can say a bad thing about either one of them. They're great people. Um, super nice, super genuine, um, fun. Um, so like that was awesome. So have you had a chance and, to perform it live with her? No, I mean, we were, and we did it live in the studio, uh, there you go. <laughs> but no, we haven't, we haven't played a, a concert together. COVID uh, probably put a, yeah, that kind of, <laughs> that played a little part in it. We were also, we were supposed to do a music video and, and they were going to, she was going to be in the music video and COVID basically stopped that. Um, so that was unfortunate. That would have been an awesome music video. You can use COVID as an excuse to revive it. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Maybe Launch it again. Yeah. Be like, Hey, y'all wanted that music video? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the song's already over, but y'all wanted that music? (laughs) I mean, the single's already over, but, um, another thing is that like, what was weird is like that idea, me wanting to like do a duet and talking to Roger about it and, that was kind of like something that 
was out of nowhere. That was not something that I heard anybody else doing. Um, and so I thought it was something unique and which was crazy. It's like right when we did it, Stoney did the one with Tanya and then, um, uh, Cody did the one with Reba. Right. I mean, technically Cody's with Reba was way after ours. I mean, like ours was out like a year before that, but Stoney had like released his record, like right when we released our record and both of them, it looks uh, like y'all were sharing notes. No, I know it. Like, it, <laughs> like it, it seemed like Stoney and I were like, "Hey, we should do this," and, but nope, nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Like everybody kind of did the same thing at the same time without knowing anybody else was doing. It. Also, dude. Okay, so William Clark Green and Josh Abbott both put out songs called uh, "Hanging Around." I think, I think that was it. They both put out literally at the exact same time, and neither one of them knew the other one was doing it. Wow. So it's like it happens. Yeah. But it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. Great minds. Oh. Wishful Drinking, the name of our track of our album, came out at the same time as Casey Donahue's uh, r- record with uh, uh, One Light Town. Is that what's called? Uh, the new record. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, yeah. so there's a song on there called Wishful Drinking. Yeah. And I was like, dude, God. Is there not a copyright there somewhere? No. <laughs> but it's just like, it's like, how does that happen? How does that happen? It's crazy how like, yeah, how like coincidences like that happened with like i mean literally no like there was no way of me knowing what stoney was doing or casey was doing and somehow we all ended up like or like we ended up doing a duet kind of a similar idea and and uh casey and i ended up doing songs with the same name right 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 well and we actually tracked this record so even though it came out in 2020 we actually tracked most of it in 2018 so it, like it was like our record had been done for like two years so it's just we were waiting for duets. There was there was so we were trying. Okay, so there's another song on it called, um, oh man, if I didn't start, what I, roll uh, high rolling home, high rolling home, um, high rolling home is a song I wrote with Curtis Grimes and a guy named Rick Garut, and um, I was like I was like Curtis dude, we got we got to get Willie Nelson to do a duet. I was like we got to get Willie Nelson to do a duet. So we wrote the song with the intention of getting Willie Nelson to do a duet, and. We tried really hard. We did not get Willie Nelson to do do it, but we were holding the record to try and get. So we actually cut. I think we cut that song specifically. I think we cut in like 2016 or 2017. Wow, that song was cut way before the record came out because we had been trying to get Willie on it, and uh, we tried Willie really hard, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't able to pull it off. Hey, if somebody listening knows Willie, y'all should beg him to sing on. There you go. <laughs> I do <laughs> So he hasn't even heard it. No, we have, we. Uh, we never got a response from his management or anybody. Gotcha. We, yeah. Wow, man. So, if somebody knows Willie, come on. <laughs> Connect the dots there. So, uh, one last thing, we're gonna wrap this up. Okay. So, watching your videos, you're you're big about your music videos and things like that. The Flash Mob. Oh yeah, dude. So actually, that was that whole thing ended up being like a total disaster. What's funny is that like literally we had this whole plan and ended up pouring down rain that day. Oh no! If you look at the street, the yeah, street's yeah. wet. So like we, uh, well, it so, washed off the Sixth yeah. Street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cleaned it up. But like yeah. normally Sixth, like if you've ever been to Sixth Street on a weekend, it's, it's packed. packed. Right. If you notice, there's not that many people. Right. Right. Because it was pouring down rain. Like literally, we waited for a break in the rain to film it. Oh wow! And so like it was really unfortunate that uh, it ended up pouring down rain that day. <laughs> we still did it anyway. But uh, yeah, that was. I was like, okay. So actually, I would love to take credit for that idea but um 
Josh Turner actually did it. No kidding. Uh, in like 2004 or something, like a long time. Like when flash mobs were like kind of thing. Right. Um, why don't we just dance? They did it with why don't we just dance at the mall in Nashville. Gotcha. And I was like, dude, I don't think most people know about that video. Like, let's just, let's, let's redo it. And I'm like, put a Texas yeah. spin on it. Yeah. Do it ourselves. Yeah. No, and, um, that's cool. So yeah. Shh. You didn't hear that. <laughs> that's a totally original idea. <laughs> But yeah, no, we, uh, yeah, we, we, we got, um, so like a lot of those dancers are actually professional dancers, uh, that were, so <laughs> my dad, um, uh, my dad loves dancing. So he takes dance lessons every week. I mean, he's a great dancer, but he like still just takes dance lessons every week from like wow. this, uh, dance school that there's like, I mean, like his dance teacher is the, the world champion two-stepper. No kidding. And so the, uh, I think two or three time world champion. Yeah. She's great. Um, and so he just posted something at like the, the dance school that was like, Hey, would any of y'all be interested in like doing a flash mob dancing to one of my son's songs? And, uh, they, they, yeah, a lot of them responded. We ended up having like 40 people that were, um, 40 people from the dance school that were even, that were part of it. And also like, we started filming like random people from the street. We're just like joining in and it's like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's cool. It's a true flash mob. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, uh, that kind of leads to the next question. Do you normally dance? Do you, oh, go, I to love con- dancing. Do you go to concerts on your own yeah. when you're not performing yourself? No, I love dancing. And, uh, dude, yeah. In, in college, like that was like my buddies and I would always go to, so I had like my dancing friends and then like my non-dancing friends, because like some people would rather go to a bar where you can't hear like, man, I would prefer a bar where the music is not so loud that you have to yell to talk to the person next to you. Right on. And you can dance and you can meet people and you can socialize. Um, I love music. I love concerts, but like, if it's not a concert, if you're not going there for the music, then why would you have the music so loud that you can't talk to somebody? Right. So, um, but yeah, so like, I love going to like broken spoke in Austin to where it's like, I mean, the music's loud, but it's not like blowing your ears out loud and I can go in there and dance and like, I don't know. That's, I think broken spoke is probably like my ideal favorite kind of bar situation. Gotcha. But yeah, no, I love dancing. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, there's a there's a five minute answer to your, to your nah, simple that, question. That, that, that's that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. So, uh, so we want to wrap up. I appreciate you coming out. Yeah, I appreciate is you there, having me. Is there another song you want to sure wrap up with? Well, I mean, you just talked about every damn time. Want me to play that one? Sure. So yeah, this was the first waltz we ever recorded, the first duet we ever recorded, and got Miss Pam Tillis to sing with me. It goes like this. Time I look into your eyes, all I can think about is 
hold a new tight loving all night for the rest of my life. Have a crazy thing I could ever dream never seems worth doing. I'd rather stay here by your side every damn time. All the girls at work say, what's it gonna hurt if we cut loose, take it out on the town? Have a couple drinks, maybe it'll be just what we need to wind down. Just when I think of my Thought he brings me back home Every damn time I look into your eyes All I can think about Is holding you tight Loving all night for the rest of my life Every crazy thing I could ever dream Never seems worth doing I'd rather stay here by your side Every damn time Every damn time I look into your eyes, all I can think about is holding you tight, loving all night for the rest of my life. Every crazy thing I could ever dream never seems worth doing. I'd rather stay here by your side. Every damn time I look into your eyes, all I can think about is holding you tight, loving all night for the rest of my life. Every crazy thing I could ever dream never seems worth doing. I'd rather stay here by your side every damn time. Every damn time. That's a good one. Thank you, man. Now, that one doesn't get the girl. I've heard your story about songwriting when you started yeah. songwriting, not getting the girl. If that one didn't get her. Yeah. Yeah. That already had the girl on this one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's man. Yeah. Anybody who is trying to pick up Chase with songwriting, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Warning right there. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of people who have tried. It does not work. There you go. I don't know why it literally makes sense, but nope. <laughs> Maybe it's a maturity thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drew, man, I appreciate you coming 
uh, hanging out with me on the inaugural edition of the uh, uh, Red Dirt Republic podcast. You'll never forget your first. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I mean, well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And, uh, man, it was a good time. We got to do it again. Taking the time. We'll do it again for sure. For sure. Thanks, buddy. And that'll do it for this episode of the Red Dirt Republic podcast. If you have an idea for a future guest, or maybe you'd like to join me on a future episode, or you'd like to support the show and become a sponsor, send me an email at reddirtrepublicradio at gmail.com. Keep up with the show at our website, reddirtrepublic.com, and our social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, by searching for Red Dirt Republic. Until next time, keep supporting your favorite artists and venues by getting out and catching a live show. And when the music starts, shut up and listen. Save the conversations for after the show. Make it a great day, friends.